0: Hello, and welcome to the What's Next podcast. My name is Liz Smith, owner of Liz Smith Law, and on this show, I share conversations to investigate building and leaving your legacy, estate planning for young families, supporting aging loved ones and parents, and other topics around aging, death, and other life transitions that will affect each of us. This is your source for hard-to-find resources in Southeast Alaska and beyond. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts to get each and every episode of our show. Hi there, and welcome to another episode of What's Next. With me as my guest today is Jennifer Carson, the Director of Hospice and Home Care of Juno. I am so excited to have Jennifer with us today. She has been the uh, Catholic Community Services, or I'm sorry, with Catholic Community Services for nine years. Her current role is the director of hospice and home care of Juneau, and she is the agency-wide compliance officer at uh, Catholic Community Services, I believe. Uh, Jennifer is a team-focused leader who draws upon the unique abilities of her staff to build a cohesive team, stays informed on state and national trends, and works collaboratively with others. She has successfully turned a financially drowning and non-compliant program into one that is financially stable and increasing capacity. Excited to hear more about that. She has over 10 years of experience with healthcare care and social service compliance, including local, state, and federal rules and regulations, championing agency accreditation, conducting program evaluation and internal audits, and leading organizational performance and quality improvement efforts. Jennifer has developed and implemented not only programmatic policies and procedures, but personnel, governance, and administrative policies and procedures. Jennifer is well-versed in risk management, privacy and confidentiality, and program management. Additionally, Jennifer has over 15 years of experience providing direct services to adults with chronic severe mental illness. Jennifer has a BA in psychology and social work from Miami Miami University of Ohio, right near where I went to college, Uh, that was in uh, 1994, and then a master's degree in public administration from the University of Alaska Southeast. Jennifer holds certifications in healthcare compliance and healthcare privacy compliance and a certificate in nonprofit management. She is currently a commissioner on the Juno Commission on Aging, a current member of the National Government Services Provider and Outreach and Education Advisory Group and current member of Healthcare Compliance Association. Welcome, Jennifer, it's great to have you.
1: Thanks, Liz, nice to be here.
0: Great, so lots I wanna talk about, and I was saying before I hit record that has, hospice is, well, actually, why don't we start there? I was gonna say it's well known, it's something I've been aware of, but what I was talking to you before I hit record is that I've had uh, trouble Finding information online about hospice and home care of Juno, and so I'm really excited that we can share this information with the community and that you can help us know where to look. Um, but can we start just finding uh hospice? And as, as we do that, let's just start there.
1: Yeah, so under hospice and home care of Juno, we actually have three distinct programs. Uh, one is home health, um, which the goal of home health is to get somebody who's had an illness or injury back to a functioning level, baseline level, hopefully back to where they were before. Um, So a lot of times what we'll see is someone who's had a stroke, uh, maybe someone who has fallen, broken their hip, went in for major surgery. So they're needing some type of like wound care, maybe some physical therapy um, all of those service, uh, services come to us by, via their physician. So we can't do anything without a physician referral. Um, they must have what we call skilled needs. So they need nursing care. They need uh, physical therapy, occupational therapy um, in order to get well again. Uh, one of the misconceptions is that we come in and we move in with them and we provide multiple hour care or daily care To them, we come in um, and spend the night. Um, We unfortunately don't do that. That's another program in town. Um, So we provide what we call intermittent services. So that may be a visit one or two times a week by a nurse, maybe one or two times a week by a physical therapist, uh, something like that. And usually those services are about an hour at each visit. Um, So then for hospice care, Hospice means that your doctor says, if your disease process, your terminal disease process follows its normal course, you would have six months or less to live. Um, Sometimes we get people who graduate off hospice. Um, Those are wonderful. Typically, we we end up seeing them back on. Um, But one of the misconceptions about hospice is that at six months, if I haven't passed, you're going to kick me off. Um, that's not true Um, as long as we can show that there's continues to be a decline um, in your care. Maybe it's just going a little bit slower and you have longer time to spend with your loved ones, which is typically always the case um, because our main goal is to keep you comfortable while you're on care with us. Um, Again, um, we do not move in, but our main goal is to provide comfort care and a lot of that is extended to the family caregiver, whoever that may be, um, so that we're educating you on how to care for your loved one as they are transitioning through, through their end of life. Um, so that may be medication, maybe positioning. We also have volunteers on our team that can come in and provide a, you know just some, maybe a one or two hour respite time for the caregiver to get away, um, because sometimes caregiving can be pretty rough, um, and if you've been doing it for a long time, you may need a, just a little bit of care. Um, so on our hospice team, we have nurses, we have a social worker who provides more of that emotional support, we have chaplains provide more of that spiritual care, and um, and I do want to say that from a chaplain's perspective, we are not there to prophetize. We're not there to convert you. We're not there to do anything like that. But, but what we are there to do is to honor where you're at spiritually and how you want to connect. So it's non-denominational. It is very much meeting you where you need to be or want to be. Um, we are would love to have a... a CNA on staff, um, but they're few and far between right now, um, but they're on our team as well as then our volunteers. Uh, We also provide bereavement services as part of our hospice care. And then our third program, which is a new one, um, I was telling Liz before we came on air that we successfully launched this program during COVID. um, It's called our Friends of Seniors and um, It is a volunteer based program that provides non medical care or supports to individuals 60 and older um, in the community. Um, We can do anything from, you know, as we're headed into the winter season, shoveling off driveways, um, steps. We um, put, uh, we delivered a bunch of groceries to people. we do like housekeeping. Uh, we have a couple of people who they have pizza night once a week and just enjoy conversation and company. So it can be anything from like a tour based more to kind of building that relationship, but it's all meant to keep seniors active and supported in their home for as long as possible.
0: Oh questions on all. I think I'll go. Yeah. To- the up the chain so the friends of seniors program sounds truly amazing um and who which are is there an eligibility requirement for seniors to be
1: you just have to be 60 or older it's really the only requirement for for that one um we take for volunteers you just have to be 18 um and then pass a state of alaska background check so fingerprinting and all of that
0: and is that service then free for seniors?
1: It is free of charge. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And how, what's the setup process? So, if a listener wants to volunteer, but maybe they're worried, or maybe they're just, you know, hearing shoveling snow and that's not for them, or um, they don't want to be in someone's
1: home during COVID, are there,
0: uh, how do people get matched with?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And we, we take a lot of pride in trying to match people because it is about relationships with this program. Um, but we do understand that some people want to do a non-touch, um, kind of a one-off kind of thing. So there's things like delivering equipment might be something you could do. Um, but you can reach us at 907-463-6111. Um, and we can, uh, take your call and answer more questions that you might have. Um, we do have some on our uh, website as well. So that would be ccsak.org um, where you could find your application to apply for um, to be a volunteer.
0: And what about a senior uh, interested? Would they call the same number or is there a different process?
1: Yep. Nope. They can call 907 463 6111 to inquire about get, getting a friend out to. To help them,
0: yeah. I have an aunt in Oregon who I just—it just blows me away. But she reached out to a a free resource, and she's in her 80s now, and and really just fragile as can be. Um, and someone has been coming in every week, just volunteer to help her with laundry. And I just, people are amazing. <laughs> yeah. Yep.
1: yep. It, it it really does. Yeah, I love this program so much because it really is our community embracing our community. And I think that's one of the things that we do best here in Juneau and the rest of Southeast is I've lived in many places across the country. And I I really think that Southeast does a great job in supporting one another and, and trying to lift everybody up.
0: Yeah, yeah. And you said that was a newer program. Has there been a good reception on their? Are you getting? Yes,
1: yes, actually, we I think we have more people interested in service than we have volunteers right now. So if you're interested, please reach out. Um, happy to have you uh, join our amazing team. Um, and I think I think one of the we're looking for people who uh, uh, again, you just have to be eighteen and older.
0: Is there anything you want to share about what maybe people you know what they're waiting for help with?
1: Um, I think just about everything. Um, you know, what's happening right now in healthcare, if you're plugged in at all, you know that there's a healthcare worker shortage. Um, and, you know, we are not immune to that at all. And it's created a wait list. Um, for services. And so one of the things that our volunteer program has the capacity to do is go in and lay eyes and ears on someone who is, you know, more vulnerable because of their age. Um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: And maybe just needing, you know, a healthy ear, just someone to, to come in and visit with them. Um, and that might help create a, a gap if they're waiting on services that are hospice home health related. Um, or maybe they should have gone to Wildflower Court um, as a nursing facility, but there wasn't capacity there, um, and so they decided to go home. But they're still needing more supports in the home, um, so that's where that valuable uh, volunteer can make such a difference. Um, and I can tell you, we've we've had several stories where we weren't able to get somebody on service right away um, because we didn't have we didn't have somebody available, and the volunteers that went in started to notice a decline in the person that they were helping. And they were, they were relentless and called us, I think every day and said, you need to get in, you need to get in, you need to get in. And that helped to build, build a case of, okay, what can we do? How can we get this person on services? Can we work with their physician um, to work things just a little bit differently so that we could meet maybe some other rules to get them um, care quicker? So Mm -hmm. So again, that person received care because their volunteer, again, was just relentless. And but it, but it came from a caring place, right? They didn't want that person to, um, to be at home and not have the care.
0: Yeah, advocacy is huge in get, yep. getting care. So Absolutely amazing. And for context, we're recording in early November, so uh, 2021. <laughs> It's been a long time through the pandemic. And um, I want to talk to you more about the shortages that you're seeing yeah. with, but I do know that I think across the country and, and around here getting, um, filling a lot of jobs is challenging. So. Yes, yeah. Um let me touch on location, because you are hospice and home care of Juno. but are any of these services, I know Catholic Community Services serves some in the southeast communities, but are all of these services
1: just juno based? Yes, so we're only certified, so we're Medicare certified, we are only certified for Juneau. Okay. Um, we're hoping to maybe branch out our friends of seniors, um, we're we are not so tied um, with regulation for that program. Um, so we're hoping to maybe extend out to maybe one or two of the other, um, locations that Catholic community services serves.
0: And are there for, let me ask about hospice specifically is Mm
1: -hmm. uh, Catholic community services, the
0: only hospice provider here in Juneau?
1: Yep. So we are the only provider of hospice and home health actually in Juneau.
0: Okay. (laughs) Yeah. 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 I didn't realize it was so, yeah. Yeah. Are there? Are you aware of? Are, do any other Southeast communities have hospice or home
1: care? Uh, so not certified like we are. So both Ketchikan and Sitka have uh, volunteer hospices, um, and then Ketchikan, Sitka, and I think Petersburg all have home health services.
0: Okay. Thanks. Just allows people to to look into what's available. Yeah. So turning on to hospice, you just offer it at
1: someone's home. Do I have that right? Correct. Correct. We don't have a facility. Many hospices across the country do have like an inpatient facility or a hospice house. Um, we just um, provide in someone's home. Uh, if someone does need to go into the hospital for maybe their symptoms are out of control, Um, and we need to get them back under control so they can be comfortable in their home, then we have a contract with Bartlett Regional Hospital for them to go in just to get that under control. Um, And then let's say your caregiver needs to go out of town for their own medical um, concerns, or maybe, you know what, they wanna go on that vacation. Um, You know, a lot of people this time of year wanna go to Hawaii. Um, And so again, we have, an arrangement with Bartlett where someone could go into the hospital. So Bart, Bartlett would really be their home for five days. Um, so we can give up to five days periodically um, some respite care.
0: Quick trip to Hawaii. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> but that sounds great. Um, all right. So hospice in your home when you have six months or less to live. As we get into the specifics, is there anything that someone should do from your perspective if before that 6 month mark or is it really just you know when you get there if hospice and we'll talk about when it is appropriate if it's appropriate then you get on the list and
1: yeah i think beforehand um I know some people don't want to think about beforehand, but something we were talking about before we started was- I certainly that,
0: did encourage it, yeah. <laughs> yeah that <laughs> estate planning.
1: Um, okay. I don't think you could ever do it early enough. Um, we, tip, we periodically have people who come onto service who haven't thought about their advanced directives, haven't thought about what they want to do, um, where they want things to go. Um, and sometimes your disease process goes right, re- goes quicker than what you want Um, and to get everything um, finalized can take quite a while. So I think the more that you can um, have everything in order, it certainly makes things so much easier, Um, especially if you have a large family and a divisive family who maybe aren't all on the same pages. um, You definitely want to make sure that your wishes are known um, to them, because that's what hospice is all about is helping you follow through with what your plans are for your care.
0: Okay. Okay. So, so really what I, anyone, any, any guests that, that uh, follow what I put out there for estate planning, you're really saying get the the foundations and I'll link to the free um, Alaska advanced directive, which is the document to nominate someone to make uh, healthcare decisions for you. And um, also the the power of attorney, which is financial decisions, but that comes into play as well. Um, yeah. And I've actually, which I think I've shared, I think more most of my podcast episodes, I find a way to share these free resources and tell people to get it done. Um, but I just became familiar with some dementia directives as well, which I think are some some great resources. Cause it's hard to think about, well, what care do I really want? Right. And it sounds like for hospice, it's important thinking through, I want to be at home and what's that going to look like? And sharing some of those wishes I would imagine.
1: Mm. And I think something else is to connect with a mortuary and talk about what type of arrangements you want to have done after Um, You know, what might your funeral look like? What kind of service do you want to be buried? Do you want to be cremated? I know that's a very morbid talk, but those things can be very important. And I think the more that you have them planned ahead of time, or at least kind of thought through, the less stress you put on your caregivers um, after, because they'll be grieving. um, And that sometimes that's the last thing they want to do is go through that.
0: Yeah. Or if they also just want to honor your wishes but don't know what they are. Right. Yeah. 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 All right. More on the, are there times where ha someone I wanted to get into both when someone is eligible, if there's you said six months to live, but I'm gonna bet there's some people that can't meet that that can't stay at home. So what does that look like? And then is there, you mentioned a shortage and what is that?
1: Yeah. So, so under the hospice rules, they have the, their physician would have to certify that yes, they think that their disease process will um, lead to six months or less, Um, The earlier you come on to hospice care, I think the better only because we, again, those relationships are really important. So gaining that relationship with your nurse, um, with your spiritual um, care person with the the social worker about um, your emotions, where are you at, how can we process those things the better. So maybe you don't need a nurse to come in and see you once a week. Maybe it's once every other week, just to touch base with you. Um, but it's always good to have, have those resources, um, get that education, establish, um, that, um, support network really is, is how we, we like to think about it because, um, when you need them the most, you will feel comfortable contacting them and reaching out. Um, it's really difficult, I think, for us as staff when someone comes on and they only have a couple of days with us. Um, it's hard to gain that relationship. It's hard to because sometimes, again, if if the mortuary hasn't been um, contacted, we don't know what all the plans are. It's really hard to get that done within a couple of days. Um, so, yeah, we also find, because we provide those bereavement services afterwards, I think we have better engagement when someone has been with us a little bit longer and we've established that care, um, than if somebody, again, is only with us for a couple days, I think they're pretty hesitant to reach out, but really could use our, our services. But again, because they were kind of foreign to them, it makes it hard.
0: Yeah. And and As the, the six months and a physician, um, mm-hmm. what do they, do they need to talk to their physician or is there something direct with you? And I think I just cut you off.
1: If there's something, yeah, No, that's okay. Yeah. So we work really closely with the medical community. So we would work really closely with the physician. There are certain things that there are certain pre- paperwork things that they have, the physician has to give us to get someone started. Um, so, as best, I mean, you can reach out to us and say, okay, I, I think I'm ready, I think I want, um, but then we would direct you back to your physician to say, have your uh, physician send over a referral to us. And, yeah. well, you know, guess, yeah. and at times um, we'll get requests from physicians or maybe even Bartlett um, to see if we can do um, just a consultation with a family. Um, just to kind of walk them through what hospice looks like, what it might look like for them um, before they decide to sign on for hospice. And so we're really happy to do do that as well. So we'll take the time and meet with individuals. So we can do, we can do a video, we can go out to the home, we can do it over the phone, whatever is the most comfortable.
0: Okay. That sounds really helpful if someone's
1: deciding what next and yeah. Yeah.
0: Cause
1: purposes. yeah, it's a, re- I think for some people, it's a really hard decision to make and one that shouldn't be made lightly. Um, but I also want to let people know that if you decide to sign on for hospice, there is no reason that you can't revoke and say, you know what? Nope. I, I decide that this isn't for me and that's absolutely okay.
0: It may be my own interest, but I know when I think about passing and I had the fortune of being with my grandfather who lived to 100 and he passed away in um, early 2020, just before the pandemic kicked in. It was almost in a way a blessing because we wouldn't have been, but I was able to be at his bedside um, and he was at a nursing facility, but able to bring in hospice out of state. And he seemed to go peacefully, but I know that something I think of, I think a lot of people are concerned, and I know I would be, is, is pain oh. um, at the end. And I know hospice really focuses on comfort care. Is there any limitation for someone being in their home, do you feel, or
1: you're able to really bring in yeah. You know, I, th- I think because our nurses have such a great working relationship with all the providers, in, medical providers in town that we work really closely. And sometimes we got to get a little bit creative with maybe medication combinations, um, and those type of things. Um, but it is pretty rare. I think that we have somebody who doesn't pass peacefully, um, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of discomfort, um. Yeah, out of the past, probably three, four years, you know, maybe one person um, that I can think of. Um, We do have a few who, you know, towards the end, they've been on hospice and then they decide at the very last minute that they want to go to the hospital and pass away, that they decide that they just don't want to be at home um, for whatever reason, whether it's they don't want their spouse to see them pass or be at home and pass. So, and and again, we we try to honor those um, decisions that are made because it is about the person. It's not about us. Um, It's absolutely about them. So, but I think one of the wonderful things about hospice is that you can pass away peacefully in your home with your wishes. Then we get an order where the nurse can go in and pronounce death. So that also means that all the bells and whistles that come along with police and EMS and stuff, aren't there. So all the neighbors and everything don't know, um, you know, so it's not a neighborhood show um, by any means. It's very calm, very peaceful. Um, you just call the hospice nurse who is available. We have a nurse on call 24 seven and you call the hospice nurse and um, he or she will come out and, and help you through that transition, help you call the mortuary. Um, so it's just very, very nice, very peaceful. Um, Calming. If you need uh, the chaplain to come, uh, the chaplains are. We have three uh, wonderful chaplains who kind of share that position, Um, and again, they're wonderful, and they'll come out and be with you as well.
0: So we're recording on video, even though I don't share the video. Jennifer's probably noticing my eyes watering. Just (laughs) yeah, thinking of that moment with with such a gift to be with someone at the end um, and yeah, just thinking of the nurse coming in. So,
1: yeah, yeah. It's, it's wonderful. And I tell you, I, I have some of the most amazing team members. Um, yeah, they're, they're just so calm and caring. Um, and if you know, Catholic community service at all, um, our mission is care, compassion, and dignity. Um, and I can tell you my staff live. Those three words every single day. So it doesn't matter whether um, you are thirty, whether you're ninety, um, whether you you know live in a million dollar home or you live you know in an apartment. Um, it doesn't matter. You receive the same type of care.
0: Well, it takes a certain type of person. Yeah. Um, For sure. How often you said sometimes people will have complications and have to go to the hospital for a period and come home. And that some people choose to die at the hospital, but often does someone they want to be at home committed to that? And then how how often do people have to go to the hospital for the end?
1: Yeah. So so as far as someone having kind of a little more complication where may so the main, main reason would be is Um, their pain has gotten out of control. And we, regardless of all of our efforts, we haven't been able to get that pain back under control. Um, And so they may need to go in for like some IV pain management, um, which is something we don't do in the home. Um, I can't, oh gosh, it's probably been three years since we've had a situation like that. So again, when I say we work really closely with the medical community, um, with a patient's physician, that's what we do um, and that's why. Um, because we know that it, it's almost more troubling um, and discomfort to have to go into the hospital um, you know, and leave the comfort of your home. Uh, so we, like I said, we do everything that we can um, to, to really try to mitigate any of those concerns. Um, I think over probably the last year we've had Two or three individuals who have decided to end hospice care and go into the hospital to pass. So again, it's pretty infrequent that that happens. Um, but again, we we try to be as supportive as we can. We try to help that process go as smoothly as possible. So again, we're working with hospital staff. We're working with their physician um, to make that go easily. So it's not you know hours in the ER before you get admitted um, type situation.
0: Great. Great. I just, yeah, I love that you're thinking, I mean, that's important. Mm-hmm.
1: How does someone pay for hospice
0: care? And this may apply to the other services as well. Yep.
1: Yep. So for both hospice and home care, we, or home health, we, uh, bill all the major insurances, um, but what is unique about us here in Juno is that anything that's not covered by your insurance, you will never receive a bill for. So you may receive, receive your um, explanation of benefits from your insurance provider that says you may still owe, um, you know, $3,000 or whatever that is. You will not receive a bill from us. Um, we are a charity Um, and that's how we extend our charity is by not charging you, but let's say you don't have insurance, um, for whatever reason, um, we still will not, um, charge you. We will still continue to provide you the same wonderful care that we would provide someone with insurance, um, and, um, not charge you a dime. It will also not extend to your loved ones as well. So please know that as well.
0: Meaning you're not going to charge them.
1: <laughs> right, right. Right? <laughs> no bills will come after you pass. Right, right. The estate yeah. will
0: not be paying that bill. And um, I would imagine you get some donations from the states, but... Um,
1: yeah. Yep, occasionally we do.
0: Is there anything else you want to share about fundraising efforts? Can someone... Um, Give, do you do pick, click, live? What are what are options to Yeah,
1: yeah. So, you know, we we welcome donations. Um, we welcome donations to Catholic community service in general as an organization. Um, we welcome them if you want to specify to hospice or home health service or even to Friends of Seniors program. Um, we have several different fundraisers throughout the year. Some are just CCS-based, some are hospice um, based, we, we are coming into, um, one of our major fundraisers for hospice. It's called light up a life. It's been going on for many, many years now. Um, and the whole idea is about honoring those, um, who have gone before us. Um, so it might be somebody who is actually still living, but we want to just honor them and, and light up their life. Um, and so, um, I, I, believe if you donate, um, a hundred or more, you're eligible for a wonderful little ornament. Um, this year we are using a local Juno artist, um, for the ornament. It's a nice wooden, um, cutout and it'll, uh, I forget what it says on it. Um, but we'll be starting that here in the next couple of weeks. We'll be at a public market. Um, and then we'll have a tree at, um, I think the Mendenhall mall. Or you can also donate, um, and assign a an
0: holiday thing. So for this year. In time. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Great. Uh, you also mentioned volunteers for hospice. What does that look like and how can someone.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So same process to sign up to be a volunteer as you would for friends of seniors. And actually, if you want to volunteer for both programs, um, we welcome you. Uh, for hospice, um, again, it's it's in the home with the patient. Um, a lot of our volunteers will come in and kind of provide like a short-term respite. So maybe the caregiver needs to just take a nap. Maybe they need to go run some errands for themselves, but because they feel that they need to be with their loved one 24 seven, that makes it really difficult. Um, So it would just be for maybe one or two hours. It would be the volunteer just coming in and maybe it's just sitting. They don't necessarily have to do anything, but maybe it's just sit and be present. Um, Sometimes it might be reading stories. It may be listening to stories. Maybe it's writing down stories. Uh, It could be cooking a meal. It could be doing some light housekeeping because we know when someone is ill, sometimes housekeeping goes by the wayside. Um, So really, I think the ideas are endless um, of what you could do to help, but it's all about supporting the family and helping the family be comfortable and a little more at ease.
0: So same sign up, I imagine you need, a need for volunteers as well, which reminds me that I didn't circle back on whether there's a wait list. We talked about short on caregivers right now. Um,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Is there a wait list to be in in hospice? Uh,
1: A very, very short one right now. Yeah. Yeah. It was way worse, but um, we've been fortunate and um, we had a new nurse um, join us. um, So actually travel nurse, but we we will take, we'll take them. Okay. so, yeah.
0: <laughs> so Hopefully that'll continue. That's great. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And uh, can you talk some more about bereavement care and what that entails?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, so bereavement, we like to start bereavement before the loved one passes um, to kind of take a look at how do we think someone's going to cope? Are there some strategies that we can work through ahead of time. I mean, there's never any preparing, right? I mean, you never know how um, in those moments, how, how you're really going to respond, but maybe can we get working through some strategies? Um, and then we provide bereavement services up to 12 months after someone has passed. Um, so periodically we offer a support group um, we're actually in the middle of one right now. Um, we're trying the whole group thing. We we were, um, had offered virtual in the past, but uh, no one uh, was willing to do virtual. And I think that's because bereavement is such an intimate um, gift that we have that um, it, I think it's really hard to do virtually. Um, and I think people want to be surrounded by, like people during that time, know that they're not alone. Um, and how do we get through this together? Um, mm-hmm. So we'll probably have another one in the spring, I would imagine. So usually spring and fall is when we try to do like a six to eight week group. Um, but then otherwise uh, we offer individual services. Um, please know that our bereavement services are extended out to the community. So you don't have to be connected with hospice home care of Juno. You don't have to be connected with Catholic community service. Um,
0: um, Great. Okay. So one-on-one. And is there um, anything different about how someone can find out more information or the website?
1: Website or give us a call at, again, 907-463-6111. Okay.
0: Great. I'll make sure those are, that and the website link or in the show notes. And home health, I thought to me, was pretty straightforward. Yeah. You did say via physician referral, I had asked about hospice. If, um, I was just thinking, can a patient talk to you first or, but I guess yeah. they they would just ask their physician.
1: Yeah. But you know, it's not uncommon for people to give us a call and just ask what, what it looks like. And I know, I think one of the number one things I get is, okay, so you, you move in with us. Right and or you know the nurse is going to come out like eight hours a day and um, uh, in a different world maybe that's what would happen but um, right now it, it it's more of we provide more of that support that education but it's on you know a, so maybe one to three times a week an hour each visit so yeah and that seems
0: let me so I'm imagining so I'll check my assumption that that is either for someone who has that like wound care something really specific where they do not need to be in the hospital all the time but they need skilled yeah. nursing. Yeah. Um I guess that's, all There was one other thing I had thought of but um
1: sometimes they need uh they really do need some type of like nursing facility after the hospital but you know they they want to go home. They don't want to be in a facility. Um And so we we try the best that we can with kind of that limited service to provide that care. Um, Again, we're reaching out to other services in the community to try and provide that wraparound as well. So we coordinate a lot with um, case management through our Southeast Senior Services. Um, So they may be helping people with like Medicaid applications, applications to Pioneer Home, um, things like that. Um, we, we uh, refer people to like Compass or Cornerstone home care. So they're the ones that can come in and do like that daily bathing, maybe sit with them for that eight hours a day. Um, so, so even though we may not be providing all of those care, we try to coordinate with those other providers um, so that, because we know we're limited. Um, it's, you know, we don't have very many patients who have been on for years and years and years with us for home health. Um, we have occasional ones where we can do like, um, uh, monthly catheter changes or something like that. Um, that's pretty benign really, um, with the type of care that they're getting. Um, but for everyone else, we, we try to really provide that wraparound. Um, and I, one of the questions that gets brought up occasionally is what if someone doesn't have a caregiver, um, do we still go in and provide care? Um, we try the best that we can to still provide services and help provide that education and get someone um, back up on their feet, um, even if they don't have someone in there who can help them. Um, sometimes it's kind of beyond and they really do need to go into some type of assisted living situation. Mm-hmm. So we might try to coordinate that um, with them. And again, for hospice care, those might be the cases where at the very end, they choose to go into Bartlett to pass um, because they have no one there who can help um, bathe them, give them, even give them their medication if they're not able to take it on their own. lot of (laughs) work. Yeah, those are really, really hard cases because we certainly don't wanna turn away care Uh, You know, and everybody's situation is different and how they got to their situation is is very different. Um, And so we try to embrace um, as much as we can.
0: I just have a few follow-up. Is there anything you wanted to add, Jennifer, about those three programs before I back up a little
1: bit? No, I think just be patient with us as we go through um, the lack of staff. Um, and please know that we're embracing travel staff just like the rest of the healthcare community um, and that it is not a management issue as to why staff transition quite frequently. It is more of a supply issue. There are just not enough um, people in healthcare right now. Um, COVID has been, um, I think, one of the driving factors um, also with, uh, people are retiring, um, and, and starting to retire, enjoy their retirement. Um, and there just hasn't been enough people going into healthcare. So if you're interested, uh, want to know a little bit more about what we do, um, call us, um, I, I don't think I can have you shadow one of our staff, but we, we could definitely tell you what it's like to be a hospice nurse, a home health nurse, um, if you're interested in being a CNA, we, we need a CNA so desperately. Um, we we are looking at scholarship opportunities. Um, so if you're interested, um, give us a call and we can talk about how you might be eligible for um, a scholarship to help get you um, get through CNA school. So.
0: And what uh, is the time? What's CNA school look like? Time commitment? And- uh,
1: what I think it's like six weeks. Is it available here in Juneau? Yeah, so through um, the University of Alaska Southeast.
0: Right. Yeah. Great, great. You had mentioned before we recorded one other resource, a loan equipment closet.
1: Oh, yes, yep. Um, So we offer lots of different um, medical equipment on loan, free of charge. Um, to patients, to individuals in the community. So we have such things as walkers, wheelchairs, crutches, um Any of those things that um, you may find yourself needing, especially now that ski season um, is starting, we'll be starting back up here soon. Um, And yes, we do get calls because I fell and I broke my leg and I wasn't anticipating needing crutches. Do you have some? Um, So give us a call. Um, A lot of times what we'll do is for our patients is we'll take something out and loan it to them and tell their own personal um, maybe shower chair um, comes in. Um, so we also take donations um, of medical equipment. So just give us a call and we'll um, take a look at it, see if it's something that that we need um, in our loan closet um, and take it off your hands for you.
0: Great. There's those things that you, you need for a period and then you don't. Yep. Like you said, you don't foresee. So I'm quite sure that I borrowed some crutches at some point. Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. The other thing that we have for our hospice patients is we have hospital beds. We try to reserve them for our hospice patients. Um, I, I know that we get calls from the general community for them, but um, you know we—that's all part of that comfort care. And we know that getting them here in, to Juno, um, especially at that last minute. Can be really difficult and quite pricey, and so we have several um, on hand that that we do reserve for for hospice.
0: That's amazing. Yeah. All right. Is that a curiosity just for myself? How many employees are with this the hospice and
1: home care? Yeah. Yeah. So um, we have about uh, eighteen, I think, right now. So. And I also need to give a shout out to uh, Dr. Taylor Dunn, who is our wonderful hospice medical director. Um, so he kind of helps us helps guide our, our hospice program. So he's he's pretty busy, um, but still finds the time to to give just a little bit more to hospice.
0: Right. So he has his own
1: practice. And he does. Yeah. Yeah. Guides guidance. Yeah. 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 And then Dr. Um, Schneider is also his backup. So I need to give a shout out to them because they're wonderful. Great. Great. Well, thank you.
0: Any other uh, resources, things you want to add?
1: No, I, 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 th- I think we're good. I mean, you know, I think Southeast, um, we've got a lot of great services, especially for our limited, the limited resources that we do have, um, in the community you know, we don't have a durable medical equipment provider. We don't have supply, a supply chain here in Southeast Alaska. So getting stuff here can be almost an act of God, I think, um, especially when um, we have a lot of dense fog like we had this morning and there's um, no planes coming in or out or no barges. Um, and so, you know, I just think we have a wonderful community that really tries to support one another um, so, um, but if you're interested in volunteering, please reach out to us. We're, we're happy to have have you join us.
0: Great. I can imagine it'd be some incredibly rewarding volunteer work.
1: Yeah, yeah. so. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thanks for having me and, and, and hearing what we have to, what, what goes on here with hospice and home health. It's been
0: great. Thank you. That's all for this week. You can find show notes for this show and prior episodes and future episodes at LizSmithLaw.com. And if you're interested in scheduling a meeting with us to find out what your next step would be for your estate planning, visit us at bit.ly slash my gift from LSL. Again, that's bit.ly slash my gift from LSL or find the link at LizSmithLaw.com. We look forward to seeing you again right here, same place, same time, two weeks from now. Thank you so much.